this. This is a football podcast, man. Meat. Football. Good. Man, we talk football. We eat burgers. <laughs> Welcome back to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. Josh Johnson and Ben Watts back in the driver's seat with you on a lovely summer evening talking fantasy Making football. Making it happen. Making it happen. Almost like Zach Wilson did. Uh, ben, how you doing? <laughs> uh, not as good as Zach Wilson, I will say that. That man has a reputation the size of, well... Boy, has got that dog in his son. <laughs> No, he's the, trying to. He's his trying mom's to in best one friend shot. had that dog in her. Allegedly. <laughs> so oh. allegedly, you know it's bad. It's it's bad. He one hundred percent did it. I don't know what to think. Like, what do you do? Oh, he did it. <laughs> what do you do with that information? Walking into the locker room, like Zach Wilson goes in first day of training camp, and the team does what? He's trying to instantly get himself on like Joe Burrow's legend level. Like Joe was a legend like coming in and like just his is almost grown out of proportion. Except Joe did all of this without anybody uh, accusing him of doing weird things with his mom's friends. That's fair. Joe just has it. Whatever it is. Wasn't expecting Zach Wilson to be trending for this. Though looking at him, I'm not super surprised. What are you what are you trying to say? Just look at him. He looks very Mormon. What are you what are you trying to say? Uh, do with that information what you want. <laughs> not uh, mad at Zach Wilson. <laughs> uh, uh yeah. Um Where do we go from here now? I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, okay. There's there's some real NFL news that will impact fantasy football. Um, Baker Mayfield. You're telling me this doesn't instantly vault Zach Wilson into the top five quarterbacks next season? Maybe in terms of like... How does this affect his play? Uh, only positively. He's throwing 40-plus touchdowns. One for He's each year throw... that lady was born. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 70-yard bombs only from here on out. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Lord. MVP. Okay, so he's going to be the next fantasy savant. Um, somebody who will probably not be a fantasy savant is Baker Mayfield, but he's been traded, and there are worse places he could have ended up than the Carolina Panthers. Could have gone to Seattle, dude. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, could have gone to Seattle. Could have gone to uh, Atlanta. Could have gone to. Uh, hey, <laughs> shut your mouth. You you know it had to go in there. Uh, you you cannot be happy with Marcus Mariota. That that cannot be no. your guy. But I don't want Baker. I like let's let's go draft somebody next season. I'll give me give me Stroud or somebody. I don't want Baker. That very well could happen. Uh, but regardless, Baker Mayfield ends up in Carolina. And Carolina, they're very happy about it, regardless of anything you see in the media. Yeah, they paid a fifth-round pick. They paid a fifth-round pick, and they've had some 
dog crap QB play the past few years. They paid more for ba- or less for Baker than they paid for Sam Darnold. They did. They paid a second round pick and I think a third round a pick fourth. and a can a second and a fourth was that what it was like there was something yeah. conditional. It was a like second and a fourth, I think. And like yeah, a conditional like, six or something like that. Yeah, so oh god, a second round pick. That's obviously that one did not age well. And before they watched that man play, they picked up his eighteen million dollar player option. Uh, so now he just—he's—he's he's just a really expensive backup because I cannot see a scenario where Baker Mayfield is not the starter because Sam Darnold. Did you see is they really came bad. out with like an article there saying like Sam Darnold's head is a great spring like there will be a, comp- a there will definitely be a QB competition going into the fall like no there's not you know you are not starting Sam Darnold see I don't think they'll start Sam Darnold but I think they'll have a competition. Like, I, I don't think that anybody, after what happened last year, is going to be able to look themselves in the face and say, all right, the best option week one is Sam Darnold. Like, if, if that's the case, Matt Rule just needs to go. Like, just leave. He's probably going to go anyway. He very well might. But, Which, but- honestly, would suck for Baker because as much hate as I give Baker Mayfield, he has not had a fair shake in the NFL. He is at a different... He- coaching staff every single year he was hurt last year so i mean i give him a lot of crap but he did play with an injured shoulder so there's been a lot going against him yeah and whatever you say about baker mayfield and obviously baker is not a top 10 quarterback he's probably like a i mean he's a back half starting quarterback but he is absolutely a decent nfl starting quarterback somebody um I saw like an article where they had Baker Mayfield as the top five quarterback in the NFC, and at first I didn't believe it, but honestly, like he's really close. He's like five or six. So, yeah, but like, okay, I'm trying to think here. So you've got Dak Prescott in the NFC. You've got Aaron Rodgers. Probably, I would guess Aaron Rodgers is probably number one. Tom Brady is in there. Kirk Cousins is in there. Uh, Dak, Jalen Hurts. Carson Wentz, that's gross. Hurt, I mean, for fantasy, I'd put Hurts over him, but I wouldn't. I'd take Baker real life over Hurts. Yeah. How? Okay. This is let's this just, is the part of this. Let's pull up the NFC. Fair enough. Pull just up the for, whole thing for argument's sake. What this trade does do, though, is I think it stabilizes a lot of those players in Carolina that have a lot of potential but haven't necessarily. Well, there's only one player, let's be honest, because Christian McCaffrey is kind of quarterback-proof. It it helps out DJ Moore a ton because I think, you know, with DJ Moore, you've had to worry about his floor dropping out because his quarterback play has been so bad, but he's put up 1,100 yards and four touchdowns three years in a row. Now he's got a better quarterback than he's had each of the past three years, and Baker Mayfield's... Baker Mayfield is not a prolific touchdown passer his his um his touchdown rate is like four and a half percent which if you listen to the show you realize that average. is it is dead on league average but it is still like a full percent point better than the cleveland or than the the carolina panthers quarterbacks have thrown well, touchdowns I'm pretty the past sure, three years like who's who's been a wide receiver for cleveland he had Odell for a little while. He was kind of hit and miss. Jarvis Landry's been solid, but he's never been elite. DJ Moore's the best weapon he's ever had. You know, I don't think that's a crazy take because, 
Odell, like Odell Beckham is still a good receiver, and he was good when he was in Cleveland. Um, I, there was some kind of, it didn't gel. I don't think it was a Odell stinks thing or a Baker stinks thing. It was a scheme thing more than anything for me. Could be wrong, yeah. but that's that's just kind of how I saw it. Um, but also, and this this is a very little known or little talked about part of this is Bob McAdoo is now the offensive coordinator, and he's a pass heavy. That is a pass heavy offense, and Matt Rule is an offensive coach. Like Kevin Stefanski is a great coach, and I would say he's a better NFL coach than Matt Rule is. But, but Matt also, that's a run first team right there too. Exactly. That's kind of where you go with this. Is Kevin Stefanski is a good coach, but he wants to focus on run and play defense, and he's not a. His offenses do not throw the ball a ton. And we've seen that with the Vikings now. Like, that whole regime has left, and all of a sudden, all the buzz coming out of camp for the Vikings is they're going to throw the ball more. Same thing with the Panthers. Like, Baker's going to get a chance to throw the ball more, and he's going to be much more efficient on all those throws than previous quarterbacks have been. Where, What do you think this does for the receiving core? Because I think you have to start looking at Robbie Anderson now, maybe thinking about Terrace Marshall a bit, Obviously bumps up DJ Moore a little bit. How do you feel about them as a whole? Uh, I'm still not willing to go, obviously, all in on any of them, but they're much safer than they were. DJ Moore, I, I'm i not going to bump him top 10 or anything, but, I mean, yeah, look I, at I how productive that, yeah. look at how productive he's been, like, the past three seasons. Like, he has had 1,200 yards and four touchdowns, Every year for the past three years, like on the dot, I can't see any, uh, like, how does that not go up at least some? Maybe the yardage, I don't know about that. But he's going to score a few more times, I would think. You would think. I've seen a couple um, Twitter threads, and I guess take that for what it's worth, but a lot of information out there leads you to believe that the touchdown percentage of that whole offense is going to go up. A, cl- a uh, I keep saying Cleveland. A Carolina quarterback has not thrown more than 17 touchdown passes since DJ Moore has been in the league. Like, let that sink in for a minute. They that have not thrown. Tough. That's terrible. Well, that and means Baker he's Mayfield, like 25% of the touchdowns every year then. Right. And Baker Mayfield has thrown for more than 17 touchdowns every year he's been in the league. He's not, like, we're not saying that Baker is prolific and all of a sudden the offense goes to the moon because I don't even think this makes the team that much better overall. But I do think for fantasy, you get to a point where with DJ Moore, you start thinking about, okay, maybe he scores six touchdowns, maybe seven if he gets lucky. That's what I was going to say. Like, I'm guessing Baker, assuming health, stays on his on, a, on the trage- trajectory, I can't speak, the trajectory he's been on, was you think he throws 25, 26 touchdowns? Yeah, thereabouts. Like at least too crazy, seven of those 25. probably go to DJ Moore. You would think, yeah. And if if DJ Moore is, and I would not project this, but maybe he just takes like a hog roll, which he already will in terms of targets. But if he takes a hog roll like in the red zone sort of deal, and you know maybe he gets to like eight, nine, just on a sort of an outlier sort of thing the other way. I think at that point he's top ten. I mean he. He might even, if he's twelve hundred and seven, that might be enough for top ten anyway. Just because and we're not like, saying to draft him there, but no. the upside is there now. Like there was like he had that, you know, good floor, like he had a huge target share or whatever, but the touchdown upside wasn't there. There is that upside now. 
Yeah. So, you know, with DJ Moore, he's being drafted like wide receiver 17, wide receiver 18. That is a really palatable price for him right now. Before yeah, I'd, I'd that, definitely take him there. Yeah. That felt like that's back in back of the fifth round. I'm taking him there pretty confidently. But pr- uh, with Sam Darnold, I was not stoked about even wide receiver 18 because that just felt like, like, how is he going to get better than that just because the quarterback is so bad? With Baker, it just kind of stabilizes it. Uh, it. It doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to win your league now, but I like I, I just think he's stable. Like he's much more stable and asset. He's really young. He's obviously shown he's a really good NFL receiver. Um, and you know, I don't know if that actually makes the team all that much better to be honest. Because I don't know that. Like I, I don't know. They might win six games still, but. Uh, I, I do think it sort of stabilizes those pass-catching options. Uh, would make Robbie Anderson a dart throw, like as a, a wide receiver three, perhaps. I think he's going like in the 18th round of drafts. I'd take a shot on him with my last pick. Just like Still maybe some something there. In Dynasty Leagues, uh, on some Terrence Marshall, maybe. I know he was not good as a rookie. But, again, it was Sam Darnold. He's still pretty talented, I think. I mean, he's a good receiver, prospect we- at least. We forget there was a few weeks in there when we got Cam Newton, too. So, like, it was bad. Like, really bad this from was quarterback. Not, this was not a good good state. They even started P.J. Walker a couple games. Like, it was a really, really bad situation at quarterback for Carolina last year. Like, we forget. Like, it was league worst. Like, 32nd out of 32 in quarterback play last year. And all the... Like the measurables, like yards per attempt, completion percentage, yards per game. Washington was better. Taylor Heineke was a better, more productive, more efficient. Taysom Hill was better. Oh God, yeah, I don't even want to think about that. Taysom Hill's now a tight end. They said don't even play the position anymore, and he was better than (laughs) Sam Darnold. (laughs) So I I, hate Taysom Hill so much. (laughs) I think it stabilizes them. Um, I would. I would call my shot and say DJ Moore should finish top 15. I don't think it changes anything for Christian McCaffrey. Like, you were going to probably Case. take him at the 101 anyway, and it probably Again, just makes I that feel a little like safer. Honestly, it makes him a little safer, yeah. Like, it, if nothing else, his floor might be slightly but even better, then, but he's already got a great floor. health was the concern floor. with him, so, I mean, I still... Yeah, I mean, he, he might have been the number one running back, like, on the league's worst offense. Like, it just doesn't matter with him. He's just so volume-dependent. Um yeah, so I think Carolina is a little bit more palatable for their fantasy options. There's still really only two guys on that team you're drafting. It's still only DJ yeah. Moore, Christian McCaffrey. You'll take a dart throw on Robbie Anderson. Uh, he did have that wide receiver 20 year two years ago, but he was genuinely horrific. Like he had a hundred and was it 110 targets last year, and it turned into 500 yards. I mean, that is oh, it was that bad. is bad. It's so bad. I remember in uh, one of our main dynasty leagues, you traded Robbie Anderson. Like this might have been right after week one. He scored like a 60 yard touchdown. I don't remember yep. what you traded for, but like it was a steal. It was DeAndre Swift. <laughs> Not straight up. You added something on it though. I I did. I added. It was a. It was a. Oh, God. I don't remember what the running... It was a running back in there plus Robbie Anderson to get Swift. And it even in the at the it time, was it was like... highway robbery. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, it, it turned out quite good for me. Let's put it that way. So, I'm just... Let's go back. 
quarterbacks in the NFC I would put ahead of him. Obviously, yeah. uh, Stafford. Yep. Prescott. Yep. Rodgers. Brady. Yeah. Uh, I would put Kyler over him. Then after that, it's a toss-up between him and Kirk Cousins, really. I would take the Kirk guys Cousins. The guys you're looking at after him are Marcus Mariota, um, Jameis Winston. I think I'd take him over Winston, probably. Um, just because of weapons, you got, yeah, um, Jared I, I can, Goff, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Like, right now, he's better than all those guys. Yeah, I would feel like Baker is probably on a level with Jared Goff right now. Like, Jared Goff isn't bad, but he's not great either, and that, that's kind of how I feel about Baker serviceable yeah he's, he's very fine very okay he'll do in a he'll do in a pinch he'll do in a pinch and for the uh, panthers they now have a quarterback that you can just say well do in a pinch they've had uh dog water so they're gonna get good, fired good so they need they need any pinch they can have <laughs> what's really sad is what like legitimately what could end up happening is baker plays there for a year and then both he and Darnold are gone next year, and they draft a quarterback and just kind of restart. I think Cleveland's like paying half of his salary too. They're paying more than half his salary. They're paying like Carolina's only on the hook for like four and a half million, and uh, Cleveland's like, paying yeah, like nine. Desperation heave. I'll pay four million for Baker. Yeah, absolutely. Well worth it. Much better than the eighteen they've got to pay Sam Darnold. God. Their quarterback situation is almost as bad as Cleveland's. <laughs> so let's we've got a fun one. We're we're doing a little bit of a switch topic. from our uh, from our team previews from our division previews. I, I said let's fun. call an audible. They've been fun, but I said you know they what? They just let's, take they take a while. They take a lot out of you. They take a long time to put together. It's usually the, like an hour recording. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it's it's kind of this time of year when you're mock drafting a lot but there's also another thing you're doing a lot with your teams you're looking at them and you're trying to find a way to make your teams better especially in dynasty leagues well only in dynasty leagues i guess you are you are trying to trade to acquire players to improve your roster not doing anything redraft they haven't even drafted yet i don't know what i'm talking well there's a lot of underdog drafts going on but that's fair a lot of best ball a lot of best ball happening this time of year but it's 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 like the middle of the dog days of dynasty season where you're looking at your roster and you're like, all right, how can I go win myself a league next year? And that usually means you're doing some trades. So we've got kind of our, our trade primer episode here on the podcast. We're diving in deep to how we approach trades, when to trade, how to trade, all, all of that. So we've got that here on the episode. First thing I really want to hop into, because I think there's a lot of facets to trading in your leagues, uh, and we really want to kind of dive in deep to how to trade, when to trade, all that fun stuff. So first thing I want to throw at you, Ben, uh, I've been really thinking about this recently. Um, In Dynasty Leagues, especially in PPR formats, Wide receivers are sort of the backbone of your long-term dynasty leagues. Uh, Running backs come and go in like three-year windows, um, and they're much more difficult to like trade up and down in tiers with because 
like running backs are much more known commodities than receivers. Receivers are a little bit more volatile. And there's not as many of them. Exactly. Like you got your you got your top ten or twelve guys, but then after that, they're much more finicky. Whereas like wide receiver, you're sitting there like pretty confident. Like you like you said, DJ Moore's at wide receiver what nineteen, and we yeah. feel like pretty good about him. Like this dude could be top ten. Who knows? But like I don't see a world where I don't know who. Off the top of my head, I'm guessing a guy like Elijah Mitchell is running right. back 19 or so, and yep. he's he's not going to be top 10. There's no top 10 upside there. Probably not. Um, yeah, I mean, he's in a running back friendly offense, but probably not just because I, I cannot see him playing a full season. Um, but with receivers, uh, something that I think is really difficult to do with your receivers is to tear down from your elite receivers. So let's say you've got CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown on your dynasty roster. Uh, good sage good. advice would say if you get a um, a player that can give you 90%, 85% of that production and a pick, you should tear down from that player. But often, that's a really difficult thing to do. So how do you know when... To. Exactly. You want to hold on to these flashy names, these really shiny pieces, but how do you know when to tear down from these receivers? And um, one thing that I've kind of started to do on my own, just for my own trading purposes, is to kind of create tiers, which I would do anyway, but not just tiers of the receivers based on their talent, but also factoring in quarterback play and looking at efficiency of quarterbacks. Because I think when you are looking at receivers to really gauge how elite a receiver is going to be is there's a couple different factors. And uh, Ben, I would love to hear how you feel about this. But number one for me is target share. Uh, you probably need to get between like 130, 140 plus targets for me to consider you a potential alpha fantasy receiver. And then beyond that, I'm looking at your quarterback efficiency to try and see, you know, are you going to get a lot of targets and are you going to produce and score touchdowns on those targets? Are you going to be a Cooper Cup or are you going to be like, uh, you know, DJ Moore in years past where he's gotten like 150 targets, but it's turned into only 1,100 yards and four touchdowns, which is obviously not what you necessarily want for fantasy. So let's put this into practice. I'm going to throw out a couple names and uh, Ben, I want you to kind of like, Chew on him a little bit and see how you feel about this. Uh, A.J. Brown. I love him. I've got him in a couple leagues. His quarterback hey. is Jalen Hurts. So <laughs> Terrible. for, for uh, efficiency's sake, he's not the most efficient of NFL quarterbacks. Obviously, A.J. Brown is a elite talent at wide receiver, and he's probably, like, he's, what, the wide receiver 5-6 in, in Dynasty somewhere in there. Uh, he's a pretty high value dynasty wide receiver but if you get offered for aj brown like a uh you know a t higgins straight up who's got like he is he's talented but uh he's got the efficient quarterback i think you ben would take t higgins straight up right now i, I definitely would you would um i would moving down like let's see here um I should actually have pulled up some tiers. A couple of my different guys that I was looking at were like Tyreek Hill with 
uh, Tua Tagovailoa, AJ Brown with Jalen Hurts, guys that are talented but aren't necessarily uh, efficient quarterbacks throwing the ball, trying to find a guy like Sky Moore, for example, who's got Patrick Mahomes. If you were offered Sky Moore in a 23 first for um, Tyreek Hill, like is that something that you're willing to do? Uh, depends on, for me, how my team is built. Like if I'm trying to go for it all, no, I think I just keep Hill at that point. Because I think Skymore has value, but there's just so many questions there. I, I like the 23 first. I like it a lot. But there's less questions about Tyreek Hill. But if I'm not competing, yeah, I'll send I'd, – I'd do that, Trey. There's yeah. upside with Skymore, and then I want the, I want that pick. Yeah. So – the and this is where, like, trying to acquire these, these picks, because I guess the way I see it is if you are just getting the player – you are like that's your one shot for that trade to hit for you. Whereas if you tear down a receiver, right there. yeah, you're all in. And if that player gets hurt, if that player underperforms, you're kind of screwed. So if you get a slight tear down in receiver and add a pick, a, a receiver that can add like 75, 80% of the production, like you have two shots at that working out. So uh, on Fantasy Pros, ECR right now. DK Metcalf is the wide receiver 15. He's probably going to have terrible quarterback play, super inefficient quarterback play. Uh, but if you go right down the board, you've got Cortland Sutton five spots down. Um, in a dynasty league, you could probably get Cortland Sutton and a you know high 23 second, maybe even a late 23 first for DK Metcalf, depending on the owner. For me, I'm taking Sutton in the pick easily because he's got a super oh, you efficient just quarterback. That trade. Like that is a huge win. Um, another one that I've seen is moving Jalen Waddle for a Sky Moore and a 23 first. That one seems interesting to me. I don't know how you feel about that one. That one's tougher than the Hill one, I think, because just because Waddle's younger. And we've seen him be great, and we know we or we're pretty sure he's going to continue to be great for a while, even with Hill there. Yeah, that what sort tougher. of I think, what sort of twenty three first would it take for you to kind of like move off him? If it's a if it's a late first, I think I want Waddle. Obviously, I'd have to be kind of knowing I'm not going to be that good this year. Um, I yeah, it had to be mid mid to high for me yeah so here are some of the receivers that like have efficient quarterbacks so you sort of lock in you know they're going to be really good um they're they're going to get the target share and they're going to have the quarterback play to back them up you've got cooper cup he's going to be great justin jefferson he's going to be great jamar chase going to be great debo samuel question mark um but he's also used in I the running there's game a, there's a there's a clear tear break after those three guys though exactly um, Stephon Diggs, he's got volume and the quarterback. He's going to be great. Devontae Adams, volume, and I think Derek Carr is an efficient enough quarterback. He should be great. Um, CeeDee Lamb, same thing. Mike Evans, same thing. Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, sort of in a, in a spot where if I could get T. Higgins and add something to it, I would definitely consider doing that. 
Um, if I could even just drop down to like uh, a Cortland Sutton or a, um, let's see here, maybe even, oh, this even feels bad to say, but even like a uh, an Allen Robinson plus something, plus like a if I get Allen Robinson and a 23 first and maybe another another pick on top, like that just for based who? on for like a Tyree kill. Oof. It'd have to be like a pretty good first for, for that one to happen. Cause I like I think Allen Robinson's got potential, but I still there's still that worry in my head that maybe he is a little bit washed. Yeah. So Fair I don't enough. know. I, I don't I just don't trust him yet. Yeah. I guess the point of this whole deal is to when uh looking at receivers. Yeah, we're not really look evaluating at, the players per se. Not as much. It like the talent of the player is involved, but if you can add more ammo to your rosters, because 23 picks, like every, I, I, if you're paying attention to fantasy, gold. you'll realize they are literal gold. And if nothing else, um, you know, you could, you could even trade like an elite receiver for a T Higgins who's got an efficient quarterback plus a 23 first. Like, you know, you're seeing, you even mentioned this before the show, like, You've seen Jamar Chase go for T. Higgins in a first, and that's that is difficult that's because not a Jamar bad Chase. Trade, I don't think. Right, but it's it's definitely not bad, especially if that 23 first ends up being like even mid to high. Like you're gonna get T. Higgins plus probably like Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, if you're moving Jalen Waddle, you know, Jalen Waddle, we've seen him be really good, but if you can get a a Cortland Sutton plus a first round pick. Like I feel like that could happen in leagues because you'll have some people that don't necessarily believe in Sutton yet, or maybe they are Judy truthers and they're not really in on Sutton yet. You know, Sutton's got the efficient quarterback, and you're getting a 23 first round pick, which allows you a chance to get a, you know, a Jameer Gibbs, a uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, a Keyshawn Boutte, guys that should be really good. Yeah, with for these fantasy. picks, we're not assuming one on one. We know that's going to be Bijan. Right. Um, so it, it just gives you more ammo, um, and it's something to think about when you're trading. Um, you know, if you want to tear down a receiver, there's ways to do that and add more ammo to your teams, regardless if you are rebuilding or contending. Because even when you're contending, like you can trade Jamar Chase for T. Higgins in a first, and that's a good trade regardless. Like you're gonna be just fine because T. Higgins is really good, and he can give you like 80% of the Jamar Chase production. Maybe not the 50-point week, but... I'm really high on T. Higgins coming into this year. <laughs> Fair enough. I traded him to you, and um, it didn't age super well. Let's put it that way. I hope you regret it. <sighs> Only a little, but not too much. You know, we can't dwell on these things. Um, next little bit about trading. Um, when, Ben, do you go all in for a championship? When do you kind of break things up and try and acquire draft picks and keep... Uh, that championship window open. Let's say you're a middle-of-the-pack team. At what point in the season do you say, I'm going to go all-in, throw everything at uh, at the wall and just see what sticks and see if I can go get a championship? Uh, and then the inverse of that, at what point do you say, all right, I'm going to blow it up and I'm going to try and acquire young players and picks and just come at this thing again next year? 
part of it uh during the season it's got to be like you have you're doing obviously you're doing pretty well you see one hole in your team and like you know that's a place you've got to fix we had a guy um in one of our main leagues he won it all this past year um and obviously he was doing good he kind of been up and down up and down had a strong roster but never wasn't like blowing the top off and right before the playoffs he had a super team roster let's be honest he had a super team roster but he'd gotten super unlucky and he actually there was a shot he didn't make the playoffs and right before all that happened he went and traded for cooper cup which broke my heart because it ended up beating me but i mean he made the right move at the right time i need this guy he traded a lot for him i think he traded like stefan diggs and a couple other like big names like i need cooper cup that's the guy I need. And it uh, it turned out to win him a championship. Yeah. And, I mean, more power to him. You, you, you got the W. Sometimes that's all that matters. Yeah. Are you of the opinion that you should... Like, this is, this is where it gets really interesting because it sort of comes down to, like, team manager's temperament. Are you the kind of guy that will throw everything at it to get a championship? Or are you thinking, I should try and still keep my options open for future years? Because what you just mentioned, the move that that guy made, his he used to have a super deep bench. Like I can remember in years past, he had players on his bench that would start for every other team in the league that were great players. And he traded all of those guys over the past couple of years to keep himself in contention. Now he's at a spot where his starting lineup looks like a super team, but his bench is pretty thin. Um, and his, his future outlook doesn't look great beyond maybe this year and you know maybe next year. Um, are you willing to go all in like that if it means you have a great chance to get a championship? Or... Do you want to sort of hedge your bets and still keep a great roster, but maybe not the best version of your roster and and keep your options open for future years? This, this And this might be a knock on me why I don't have enough championships. I actually don't have any championships in that league, and it hurts me because my team is amazing. But, like, I tend to – like, he made the move at the right time, sacrifice all the depth. I like the depth, especially – especially this time of year because you're looking like I know injuries are going to happen. I need yeah. to be able to slot somebody in there. And I I tend not to do it just because I like to be able to count on my team for a long time. Like, it just it doesn't feel right to me even though, like, I know the championship's on the line. You can go get a Stefan Diggs or you can sit tight at your Jalen Waddle and other stuff and not – trade a bunch to go get the veteran which just feels wrong even though it's sometimes what you need to do during the season to get the championship but at the same time like I'm often hesitant to do it because I've seen teams just in the championship that had no business being there just win off of some fluke weeks and then you feel like an idiot as the guy who's has this super team and you're just stuck like dang, I traded everything to do this, and the idiot with Cordero Patterson and Amonra St. Brown got lucky and beat me. Yeah, and I mean, I've wanted, 
I've won a championship that way in the past where I got in as like the last seed and uh, ended up running the table, beating the number one seed in the championship. And, you know, I had like a six and six team, but ended up winning the whole thing. And, and I've got my trophy sitting next to me. So it's the sort of thing where I think I'm of the opinion you go all in and you just throw everything at it because uh, the championships like those are worth it. And if you're a man, maybe, maybe it's just me being scared to throw it all out, throw it all at it and then not do it kind of thing. Fair. Yeah, it, it, it is like how ballsy are you going to be about it? Are you going to go all in or are you going to try and hedge a little bit? And it is difficult because you've put in a lot of work to a team and you don't want to go all in and lose. <laughs> like that is the Break worst the feeling. Yeah, it, it'll kill you. Um, and maybe that's why you get into a bunch of different leagues so you're not, you know, sort of dependent on one league for your uh, for your sanity. But I think I'm probably the all-in sort of, sort of guy. Like if I look up in a league and it is near to the trade deadline and I am, I don't know, like five and one. And maybe on paper I don't feel like I've got the best roster, but... I'm obviously doing pretty good, and at five and one, I've got a chance to uh, make a couple moves and try and solidify that. I'm probably going to do it, and you know I did that this past year in a league that we were in, and it didn't work. <laughs> and I was super bent out of shape about it. I went and acquired a Dev- uh, Devonte Adams, and it ended up not panning out and getting me a championship, and I ended up coming in third, but. You know, sometimes you Miles miss. Miles Sanders is you, awesome. <laughs> Miles Sanders ended my soul. Um, you know, sometimes you just sort of have to live with that and, you know, reload again next year. So uh, that's always difficult. And then the, the inverse of that is, you know, at what point do you say, all right, I need to blow it up? Like, for example, the guy that, uh, that you brought up just a minute ago, he, he ended up making it into the playoffs at like five and seven or something. Like his... His team record was not good. And there were points at which he was like 0 and 4 or like, you know, 3 and 5 or something. Like he he did not have a great regular season. He had terrible luck. And I remember talking to you about it at one point like I wonder if he's going to blow it up. Uh cuz he kind of got to that point where he's got an aging roster. He's got a lot of guys that you think are really good for right now, but at what point do you say, "All right, I'm just going to blow it up, sell these guys, try and get draft picks and run it back uh, for the next couple of years and just, you know, rebuild it from the nubs. He ended up not doing that and winning and kind of going all in and it worked out for him. But um, that's a tough sort of, I guess, uh, situation to be in and decision to make. Yeah, I um, I think probably the best time is once you're – if I'm if I'm blowing it up, that means like my receivers have aged out, my quarterbacks have aged out, like I'm I'm tearing it down at that point. There's like many rebuilds you should do. Like if you don't think you necessarily have a shot, like your running backs are I don't know, like a Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette kind of guys like at the very cusp of their careers, I think I'd I'd probably do like a mini rebuild, but yeah, something like that. Right. Running backs are like when you have, 
when you've got like like if you're sitting there on your team and you've got Jonathan Taylor, you've got the like Najee Harris, those guys like in the prime, those are the guys who can get you to the championship. I think that's when you go all in. Was you look at your guy like I've got young at running back and experience everywhere. Like that's when you go. Yeah. Um, all right. How valuable for you, Ben, are 2023 draft picks? And I guess at what point... You can't get them from me. <laughs> you and I both in uh, one of our leagues have multiple... I think we've got like seven between us. Like there's there's a bunch of 23 draft picks between our rosters. Um, and Each we have... Each of us have three. <laughs> yeah. And I think we are, we're probably like the top two teams, I guess you would say, in that league. And we have the most. I don't have any picks. other picks in that league other than 2023. <laughs> I don't have any 2024 picks, and I don't have any picks in our upcoming rookie draft. But I've got three first in 2023. It is a very good feeling. I will. I will grant you that. Um, the thing with 23 picks, and I guess draft picks in general, though, is like they they rise in value. They're different than players entirely, because like players, you sort of know what they are. You know what you're going to get. Draft picks, picks are always increase in value. Yeah, it's like real estate. Like they just never go down in value. They're always valuable. And you know, if right now, good. In a in a situation like where we're at, where we have multiple, we've got three each, which is great. That's a fantastic situation to be in. Um, let's say we're competing and our rosters are doing really good, but maybe we have an injury to like one spot on a roster, we could go get a Derrick Henry, a Dalvin Cook, a uh, Joe Mixon. If one of our running backs goes down, we can go flip a 23 first for one of those players, and that should be sort of the thing that you know puts you over the edge and gets you a championship. And you still have two left that you can go get well, that's what probably I was say. an like, elite prospect. Both of us have both of us have pretty good teams, and that is firepower for like you know if we need something right before the playoffs, I've got three bars of gold to go play go buy something with kind of thing. Exactly. Um, so and yeah, right I think- now is the time if you are in your dynasty league, you you've actually probably missed the window if you're with competent players, but right now and. Two months ago is when you need to be getting 23 first because they are going to exponentially increase in value in a couple months. Yeah, it's it's probably the first draft class I can remember where like if you have the 106, 107, like you have a chance to get a top 12 running back or receiver in Dynasty. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, and the 23 class offers you the opportunity to, if you're in a super flex league, you can get an elite quarterback an elite wide receiver, an elite uh, running back, and, oh, to boot, they have tight ends in there too. So the, those draft picks are going to be worth a ton, and they're only going to keep increasing in value. You can use them during the season. You can acquire a but bevy even, of them for the offseason. Even 2022 first, I mean, when you were buying them, even if you weren't super excited in the, about the class, like they ke- they're going to keep rising in value until you have that rookie draft. Right. Picks are, and I know a lot of people who don't really ever have a first, but they always have a good team, which is a smart 
thing to do. Like a lot of people, you, you may never have a first-round pick because they always trade it and they always get what they want and they get a good player for it. And their team's always good. But it's just fun. They're fun. To it have. is really fun. And I think that the... Like there tends to be two camps about picks that people fall into. You're either the, what you just said, where it's somebody who gets a first round pick with the intent of flipping it for a known commodity, or you acquire a ton of, yeah, which is, that's not a bad move at all. But there's also the camp that acquires a bunch of draft picks as potential shots on elite playmakers. And they figure that if they've got three or four of them, they can throw three darts at the board and they're probably going to hit at least once, if not twice. And they might have like an elite player that, you know, that returns tons of value. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you go a little bit in between. Like, I'm probably an in between sort of guy where, like, if I need to, f- and <laughs> there's been points at which I've had no picks because I was flipping them for players, but then now I'm obviously in a spot where I've got picks. And, you know, maybe and there will be a point. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, and if you're competing like you were at the time, those picks are like the weakest thing on your on your roster. Like, if I'm trying to win a championship, I'll give you all of them. Like, I don't care. Right. And, you know, now we know that I'm the guy that will go all out for it and try and actually get the trophy. And so if a pick will allow me to do that, I'll flip a 23 pick for a guy that gives me a sure chance at a championship or at least a perceived sure chance at a championship. Yeah, I guess when we were saying, um, you know, earlier of the tear down kind of thing, I think my more value is like I, the guys I'm not, or what are we saying? Not competing kind of thing. Like those just young but established players, like I'm not willing to really move them for the veteran just to yeah. win it all just because I like having that window open. But the picks are a different story. Like I'm I'm more than willing to move picks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm rebuilding, I sort of look at it like, all right, I'm going to acquire players. Like if I'm getting a receiver and a rebuild, I want a younger receiver that is also paired with a – efficient quarterback or a quarterback that looks like they will blossom into an efficient quarterback and then just throw darts at running backs in rookie drafts Uh, because running backs come in and they're pretty much known commodities from the get-go and uh, you like running backs are not really an inexact science like you kind of know what you're getting with a running back when you're drafting them in your rookie draft receivers are where you kind of hit and miss Um, you know like this year it's kind of Brees Hall, and then Ken Walker might be something. Everybody but, else. But, yeah, it's it's Brees Hall. Last year it was Javante Williams, Travis Etienne, and Najee Harris, and that was pretty much it. All the other guys, you might, get, you might have been excited for Trey Sermon. I was. It was a mistake. But, like, there wasn't as much to that go was, on with them. That was not them. pretty. That was not a good one. Um, but, like, we the, the community knew. Like, everybody knew Travis Etienne was going to be good when he played, if he played. Um, Javante Williams, we knew he was going to be good. We obviously knew Najee Harris was going to be good. So, like, I'm saying it was the same thing the year before. Like, you knew Jonathan Taylor was going to be good. You know, knew DeAndre, DeAndre Swift was going to be good. We missed on Clyde Edwards Alaire, but that was the Chiefs' fault. I mean, yeah. It's running back is all 
the workload, and you know you know who's going to have a workload coming out of out of college. Yeah, I guess to sort of close things down, um, when we are looking to trade, when we're looking to acquire a player, picks, what have you, how do you generally go about it? Because I'm sure we've got people listening that don't that you know maybe they're new to fantasy or maybe they've been playing for a while and they're in a league where trades just don't happen a ton. They're trying to figure out how can they facilitate trades in their league? How can they get these balls rolling? What do you do, Ben, to kind of like get things moving in a trade conversation? How do you sort of get trades done in your leagues? Basically, you send them low ball after low ball offer after low ball offer after low ball offer until eventually they block you and you never talk to them again. <laughs> that's perfect. That's exactly what I do. That's why that's, that's why we're that's winners. That's how I do it. I, <laughs> normally, I I don't like to do... Obviously, you know, I'll, I'll text you or message you. You know, we'll talk about a couple of trades, um, kind of see where you value guys at. A lot of it, like, people get mad. They just send a trade with no text. Like, I want to talk to you first. I want to see where you are on guys. And I don't like to send crap the first time on the trade. Like, I want to send something that gets your attention yeah. so that you know I'm serious. I'm not going to sit here like, yeah, I'll I'll give you Miles Sanders for Javante Williams. Like, like I'm not going to send you that crap. Like, let's – I want, I want this guy. Let's talk. I'm willing to offer X, X, and X kind of thing. Yeah, I, I sort of approach it the same way. Like, I feel like it always starts with a conversation. Um, and the more you play with your league, you'll start to realize how league managers value players, value draft capital. And you can sort of make like a filing a lot cabinet. Of it, yeah, so much of it matters, like how you know your people. Exactly. You start to sort of know in the back of your head how different managers value players differently. And like I know, for example, there's certain players on my roster that I know certain managers will value more than other managers. And when it comes time for me to decide to trade that player, I'm going to go to that manager because I know they value that player more or that asset more. Um, You know, there's one guy in our league right now that values picks a ton. He's in a rebuild, and he's he's like, I just want picks. Um, he's not going to overpay for them, but if the price is right for him, he's going to try and get a pick. Well, if I'm a contender, I might try and sell a pick to that guy for a player Here that I want. Here is all of them. Give me right. your best player. <laughs> um, so there's there's going to be that manager in your league, but I think it it really stems out of relationship with managers in your league. Um, if you don't, and this is where sometimes it gets difficult. If you're in a league where you don't know the other managers, it's some kind, it, it can get tough to facilitate trades happening because managers are going to be stingy. If they don't know you, they want to know, like you don't want to just trade blind with somebody. That's how you end up getting robbed. Um, but even more than that, you want to have the conversation. You want to know, all right, how do you value X, Y, Z? Don't get a deal done at all. Like he just keeps rejecting it. Exactly. Um, and you sort of have to give and take a little bit because um, if you're if you're in a league with 
managers that play multiple leagues have played fantasy before. They're not just going to give guys up. Like you have to sort of meet them where they're at. Um, and you're going to have to give them something that they want, just like you're going to try and get something that you want. Uh, going in trying to win the trade, it's probably not going to work. Um, you have to give something that you know the other player will want to take. Um, and, you know, taking advantage of other managers, just it, it doesn't really work in the long That's run. It's mean, guys. <laughs> it's rude. It's, it's fun every now That's and mean. then, but it, it's, it's just rude. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the, the relationship aspect of it. Um, do you have any other kind of like, because I'll be honest, you are a pretty good trader. Is there anything else that you're trying to kind of like zero in on besides getting the conversation started? I usually get the conversation. I know kind of my price point too. And like when, when you say don't go in trying to win the trade, like I'm going in trying to win the trade, obviously, but it's like I'm not going in trying to rip somebody off. Like I'm coming in with fair value, but I know what I want because it's what's going to fit my team. And like I'm, I, I know my price point too. Like I'm not going to pay over this before it's too much kind of thing. Yeah. I'm sure that there are, and I've been in this place before where there's folks that just aren't willing to say no, or they feel really bad if they say no, saying no is fine. Like we say no all the time. (laughs) I feel bad sometimes saying no like this. I've been talking to this person for like two days about a trade and we're just getting to the point where like, it's not going to happen. And I just feel bad. Like there's, but there's nothing you can do. Right. If you know he's not willing to pay pay my price, and that's just that's the end of it. Yeah, and you know being being able to walk away from a trade is probably just as good as getting one done because you just like I've I've made the really bad trade before, and if I'm honest, don't trade most just of that, trade. Exactly, most of that is I just don't want to say no, uh, and I should have said no, and it would have set my team up much better if I was just willing to say no to the dumb trade and wait until a better option came along. If I I just had a thought and then I lost it. Oh, it's not going to ruin if a, uh, if not doing a trade ruins your friendship with somebody wasn't a very good friendship to begin with. Nope. Uh, no, it was not. <laughs> that that's somebody that's trying to rip you off, and if they can't get it done, that's not a good person right there. It, that that's that's a jerk. That's what that is. That is a jerk face. I've I've been in leagues with people like that before too. They're annoying. Don't and like love? I and I'm a person too. Like I can I can get butthurt about it sometimes too. Like I'll be sitting here like I and I just get mad, dude. <laughs> and then I just have to walk away from it for a little while. Don't you just love? And we all, you, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We all have that guy in the league that will make you overpay like your kidney, your feet, your brain, everything to try and get this one guy. And it just drives you nuts. You know, like he just, and sometimes he wants like I'll be, a, the farm. I'll be a butthole back at that point. <laughs> like he'll, yeah. he'll come to me about like a player that like I have and want to trade him. And I'll tell him like, I want this and this. He's like, well, there's no way I'm paying that. I'm like, then you're not getting him. <laughs> yeah, it goes back to it. Like it's it's okay to say no. It's not the end of the world. You'll be fine. Those people are a lot easier to say no to, though. It's the people like that I am friends with, and like we'll be talking about a trade for like four hours of just like texting back and forth, and then we get so close, and then 
just can't meet on a price, and then I feel bad. Yeah, those are the worst because you're you you kind of get to a point where you're excited about what you might get in return, and then it doesn't happen. Uh, and sometimes you might get desperate. Like I've been to just like, push I'll text somebody like, dude, I might I might do this. This this might happen. Like I'm almost about to get this player. You're like, really? And like a couple hours later, like, did you get him? No, I didn't get him. <laughs> It's a fun time. Uh, Dynasty leagues are a blast, uh, and and trading in Dynasty leagues is really kind of the fun of it. If we're totally honest, that's pretty much the point of a Dynasty league. It, it is. It is. It is the end all be all. It's you know start sits and yeah, whatever. Just trade. <laughs> it's build. It is building that team through trades. Yeah. Because like most of my team is very few people from your startup will actually ever end up on your roster. There's oh, only, yeah. I think, one guy from our startup that's still on my team, and that was Alvin Kamara from, like, six years ago. Yeah, my my starting lineup has zero players from our startup draft. Like, so. nobody else on my entire team was even on it at that time. It's a completely different roster. Yep. Rosters turnover, you trade, and it's a fun time. Fantasy football's a blast. That'll do it for this episode of the Fantasy Brothers. That's been our trade primer episode. If you have any more questions about trades or how we go about doing trades, you can find us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore. Shoot us a DM if you got a question. We'd be more than happy to answer it for you. Uh, we'll see you next week when I don't know what we're doing. Probably divisional breakdowns. We'll see you then. Uh, goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Brothers Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and want to connect to us, follow us on Instagram at fantasybrothers underscore or on Twitter at fantasybros underscore. If you want to support the show, you can do that at Patreon forward slash fantasybrothers.